Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show. Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920 on this Friday, heading into the weekend. Second day of training camp in the books. Got two more days on the way, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday they'll have an off day. But uh, just excited to have some football activities going on at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as the Raiders are trying to put together their 2022 roster and go through the gauntlet of a schedule that they have. And I know the expectations are high. We've been talking about it. They're not talking about the expectations being high, but we're definitely talking about it here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And anyone who is a Raider fan is talking about the expectations. And you're starting to get a lot more media talking about the expectations as well. We've been throwing out there the question of if you could shadow one person, any person within the Raiders organization. It could be a player. It could be a coach. It could be a president. It could be the owner. It could be the uh, public affairs. It could be Mike Taylor, you know, director of uh, uh, public affairs. It could be anybody. It could be Levi Edwards. It don't matter. Anyone within the organization, who would it be? 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And we've had some really good answers, answers I didn't think that we'd have, right? There was just – and that's why I throw it out there because I'm not going to be able to think of everything. And uh, DeMond had a really good answer when he was talking about uh, head coach Josh McDaniels. I was talking about a player just to kind of go through the grind, like see what the grind of an elite player is. You know, how do they – what do they do on the daily to become elites? So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, uh, Levi Edwards said the president, I'm sorry, I would like to shadow her around too just to see what she does, but that's too much work. <laughs> that's a lot of work and a lot of responsibility, man. I can only imagine everything that she does on the daily, right? I could just imagine. So for me, I, I know that a player, an elite player, is a lot of work as well, but that's one of those things. I'm one of those guys that uh, if my interest is there, then I'm all in on it. But if my interest is not there, I'm not all in at all. You know, there's certain things. My mom used to tell me, you, you, uh, you actually, you'll, you'll work if you're, uh, you know, if you put your mind to it. If you don't, if you don't want to do something, you ain't going to do something. So it's, it's like homework, right? I never wanted to do homework. Never did homework. Classwork, I was good at that. <laughs> I was good at the, the activities then. I just wasn't good at taking it home and having to do it on my own. So uh, there you go. There's uh, not too much from me, but there's some really good stuff that we've been receiving on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. We'll get back to that in a hot minute. I did want you to hear some sound from Derek Carr. He had his press conference earlier today, and it was about 16 or 17 minutes. He always gives real lengthy answers, but it's, today it seemed like it was even longer than normal, maybe because it was the first one for him of the uh, training camp this, this past year. So maybe that was the reason why. So I just wanted to play a couple clips. I, I picked out a few that, um, you know, are the fine folks in the behind the scenes at the Radio Nation Radio 920 studios are cut up and, and have prepared for us. So just want to let you hear a few sounds from him and We'll close things out with uh, the sound from Paul Gutierrez and, and Derek because I know that's what everyone's asking. We got about six or seven text messages about, I want to hear that sound, I want to hear that sound. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But starting off, 
we talked about the accountability. We talked about yesterday we saw Derek Carr and, and Dylan Parham taking a lap because it was a fumble snap. So I believe Vinny Bonsignor asked this question just, hey, what was all that about when it came to you and Dylan Parham running that lap on yesterday? Yeah, I mean, just accountability. You know, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Um, you know, if it happens between two people, hit it. You know, like it doesn't, like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whose fault it was. Like, let's go, you know, and, uh, you know, it's an accountability thing, it's a learning lesson. So there it is. It's it's a that's a, I said he he gives real lengthy answers, but uh, apparently not. <laughs> so I'm assuming. Let me ask this question, Devon, and this is kind of on the air producing. Uh, I'm assuming Bobby cut these. Yes, he did. Okay, there you go. So that's an accountability thing right there uh, when it comes to them running laps, and, and that's cool. Uh, I, I wanted to get the whole answer, but that's okay. Uh, you get the idea right there. So uh, there you go, Derek Carr on having to run laps and the accountability. How about the communication between the players? Here's Derek Carr talking about communication. Yes, I think one thing that's been really cool is um, you know, we're taking a new system, and with the retention and with the hard work that everyone put in the offseason, now we're at a place where – you know, we're not just like everyone's quiet, just listening. Is that right? You know, like we all feel confident enough to be like, all right, now, hey, when you see it this way, you know, we can talk. And uh, um, you see a lot of uh, the older players or just more established players that have, uh, uh, I mean, more pl played more, just helping the younger guys. Like, hey, I'm doing it like this because of this reason, um, because this team does this or, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's those are good signs. Doesn't equal wins, but those are good signs that, you know, you'll have a good group. So Derek Carr talking about the communication between the players, the younger guys and the older guys, and I think this team has a very good blend of both. There's a lot of veteran leadership, so you don't have to lean on all the younger guys like they did a year ago or they did two years ago where everyone all of a sudden had to be really good really fast. Right, They had to be thrown into the fire. It's just like, hey, you've got to find a way to get it done. Now they don't necessarily have to do that. They have some pretty good, solid players in place in certain positions, so they don't have to lean on the brand-new guys. And that, I think, is a good thing. It'll allow those new guys and the younger guys to be able to develop. Matter of fact, I, uh, I asked them about coaching up players on the field because there's multiple times, especially today, I saw him talking to the offensive line. I saw him talking to the wide receivers. I even saw him run a little short, like, two-step, three-step route for Devontae Adams was like, hey, this is what I want you to do on this play. You know what I mean? So you can see that they're working on communication right now, but they're also players are coaching each other up, not just the coaches coaching and teaching, but the players are coaching them up as well. I think the conversation just gets um, uh, shorter. Like when I say, hey, verse this and this and this, I don't have to explain what this and this and this means. I can just say, hey, verse this and this, I want you to do it like this. Boom, got it. Okay, thanks. You know, okay. and so we can move faster. Uh, I'm just trying to say it the right way. Uh, we, can, uh, <laughs> we can try and get on the same page quicker, uh, and especially in a new system, um, trying to do it that way, if that makes sense. It does. You know, just trying to learn, again, communication, guys coaching each other up on the field. And when you can do that, that's a, that's a good thing. That's, that's a quality thing because then you don't just have to have the coaches say, hey, do this, do this, do this, and you have to sit there and, and, and react. If the players can start coaching each other up on the field, that means they get it. That means they understand exactly what the expectations are and they can teach the other guys what to do. So now they can just go out there and execute. We say it all the time. If you're a thinking man, you're a slow man, right? So you don't want them to be slow at all. So one of the big conversations that we've been having all offseason, all training camp, it's going to happen all the time, is about the offensive line. And one of the things that has been pointed out to us multiple times, and uh, I know Richie Incognito last Friday about this time was really pointed out that, hey, all these young offensive linemen, they all got a lot of burn 
in 2021. They all were out there for a ton of snaps, so they have to get a little bit better just off the fact that they uh, have so much experience and they know what it looks like. And so that's been something that I've been kind of carrying with me for about a week now, just knowing that, hey, with all that experience under their belt, they should feel like they're a little bit better. They should look like they're a little bit better. So I asked Derek Carr about what he's seeing from the growth of the offensive line from the end of last season to where they are right now. Yeah, they obviously they're getting better. Um, you know, these it's a different scheme. Um, so that there's growing pains through the offseason of, okay, this technique or this, how you want me to do this, and you watch that. But, I mean, they, you can definitely tell that they're getting better, that that whole room is working hard. I mean, when the second line challenges the first line, third, you know, they're, they're all interchanging. They're all working together. And, you know, you want them all. You know how football, you know, the league has been, you know, lineman injuries, and you never know who has to play where. I mean, we've had two right tackles go down, guard goes to tackle, and, you know, you do this thing and still got to win the game. And uh, you're just watching those guys, you know, Coach Carm and, uh, you know, and Cam, they've done such an excellent job just pushing those guys in there. You see their growth. You see them getting better which, again, doesn't mean anything yet. But, um, you know, you can tell that they're working at it, and it's still early. we got a lot of time before our first regular season game. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens then. There's Derek Carr talking about the offensive line, and he said they're getting better. You know, they are getting better. And the thing about it is, obviously, with a new scheme, they still have to, they have to learn more. But, again, I just think that they have an advantage, at least the young guys that may have struggled at times last year. I feel like they have an advantage because at least they've been out there on the grass and they've actually done it. They've been there, done that, and, again, knows what it looks like. And so that's been something that, to me, has really stood out in a major way. Now, before we play uh, the final two sound bites that I have for you, again, we've been asking the question of, you know, if you could shadow one person in the Raiders organization, who would it be? 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Salmon Ash text line. You could also chime in at 702-365-9200, or you could tweet at us at R&R 920 AM, at your boy Q254, at DeMond underscore the boss. And Grump Ass Mexican, he tweets at me and says, Q, if I could shadow someone, it would be Derek Carr. And see what he does to prepare for a day before the game. Especially how he handles all the BS they say about him. His spiritual side must get tested every day. So I take that test and I take it to where we're going next. Which is what everyone was talking about and everyone's been talking about on Twitter when it comes to Derek Carr. And how everything really started. This whole thing, how it all started was uh, Derek talked to Vic Tafer from The Athletic. And he said basically nobody was talking about us. you know, And so uh, that... That little statement, Derek, I mean, Derek said it, but the statement really has been overblown. And even when he said it to me on the Zoom call right before he was in that, uh, that, that golf tournament in Tahoe, he said that, you know, hey, I thought we made the playoffs, and it, it, it turned into a big to-do. NFL Network was talking about it, and everyone really started talking. Are the Raiders not getting talked about enough? So they really they blew it up after that. And then when he said it again with Vic Tafer, then, of course, people have been running with it again. So Tashawn, who works at The Athletic as well with Vic Tafer, asked him about that, his comments on nobody likes us. I said it, I said it in, like, this tone, and now it's been taken to this. I saw the full quotes. I know it was, it was... But you know how him and Paul like to do things, you know what I mean? They be doing crazy stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, look, nobody, expectation, who cares? Like, nobody cares, you know, like, at the end of the day, they could say, you got all these, that crap don't matter. You know, we have to go play the football games. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's honestly how I feel. I just got to be more honest. I just got to start speaking my mind. And as I'm getting older, I just say what I want to say, you know. And so my real answer is the expectation, all that kind of stuff, who says that, honestly, it doesn't matter. 
it really doesn't. Whether they don't say anything or they say a lot, nobody cares. Let, hopefully they talk about us at the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but right now, that crap don't matter. So you heard him laughing, and he said that, you know, Vic and Paul, they like to, they like to just do whatever. You know, just, and, again, he was laughing. He was joking. So it was all good jokes and giggles and this and that. And then the next sound bite, Paul Gutierrez asked him, so why do you say it? It doesn't matter, Derek. Why do you talk about it? And why do you? Thank you, Paul. It's so good to see you. Uh, <laughs> I say it because I'm a positive person, and it's I try and uh, it is, and I try and encourage my teammates. There's a way that I say things to encourage my locker room, to maybe put a chip on their shoulder. And sometimes I do it too much, and so I don't appreciate your tone either. You can pump that back a little bit. So there you go. So obviously, it got a little serious after after Paul, you know doubled down and was like that was positive he said so you know if it, if it doesn't matter why do you say it and I don't think that that was a big deal because Derek was still joking at that point right I mean you can hear him thank you Paul you know he kind of rolled his eyes but he did it with a smile on his face at the same time but then I, th- I think the the final thing that irritated Derek was when he said that's positive and then you heard Derek say it is so play it one more time Demon, so everyone can hear it this is uh, Paul's follow-up it doesn't matter, Derek. Why do you talk about it and why do you? Thank you, Paul. It's so good to see you. Uh, <laughs> I say it because I'm a positive person, and it's I try and uh, – it is. And I try and encourage my teammates. There's a way that I say things to encourage my locker room to maybe put a chip on their shoulder. And sometimes I do it too much. And so I don't appreciate your tone either. You can pump that back a little bit. So there it was. Again, you heard everyone in the room, including myself, laugh. You know, and then – after the follow-up, the second follow-up, you, you could tell that it was a little bit more serious. But, again, it goes back to what I said about uh, a riff, you know, between the two guys after, you know, a comment here, a comment there, article here, article there. I mean, things happen like that. You know I mean? It just – it does. I don't think it's a big deal. I'm sure if they saw each other in the parking lot, they'd probably say something to each other and clear the air and walk off a joke, whatever. Um, you know, Paul's a professional. Derek's a professional. I don't think it's a big deal. But um, that, that was what the big to-do was. Uh, that everyone started tweeting. And I knew it's so funny after after that was done, I was waiting to see how long it was going to take on Twitter uh, for people to start chiming in on it. <laughs> it was so funny. He's like, man, Derek just checked someone Q. I hope it wasn't you. And I was like, he wasn't even talking to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wasn't even involved in this conversation. But it's it's just so funny because you just don't know. All you hear is like the, you know, you don't hear the question. You don't hear who asked it. All you hear is the, especially the end, the, you know, Pump your what did you say? Pump your brakes on that, or pump, push back pump on the brake on that? Yeah, whatever. That yeah. So it is what it is. <laughs> so I mean, that's what it was, you know. So what, what was your biggest takeaway? Devon? For me, it's those are the questions that need to be asked, and I do feel like a little bit nowadays that athletes don't want to be asked tough questions, and I do think that it's not even that tough of a question. But right, hey, I was say I didn't. Think it's, it it's not that, that tough, tough of a question, but it's a nice follow up for a question because so many times for me, like being someone who loves the journalism part of this industry. Hey, ask a question. Why didn't you ask a tougher question? Why didn't you follow up on that? So many times with athletes, it's the questions asked, and it's like, hey, there's more there that needs to be said there, or just asked, or try to dive deeper for another answer there. And they could just say no comment or anything, or you do get the answer that you get there out of Derek Carr. And I like that Derek Carr responded to that, to such a follow up, and not just no comment or just ignoring the question or next questioning it. He gave his honest response, and that's what I want more of out of professional athletes and journalists. So for me, on that side of it, I loved it on both people's sides. Uh, yeah, and I think maybe that's why I don't think it's a big deal because I think both guys said, get, you know, gave their honest, honest you know, thoughts. Or, or, you know, Paul asked an honest question, Derek gave an honest response. That's why I, I didn't take it as that big a deal. Uh, I don't know. We, we are always in the hallway, and we always have a bunch of – 
you know, you say something smart, I say something smart back. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, you know, it kind of it kind of is the way of the way. I mean, you know, you say what's on your mind and you just keep it moving. So um, that's why I didn't think it was that big a deal, but I can understand where some folks uh, were coming from. But uh, that was the gist of what Derek had to say today. Like I said, it was about 16 or 17 minutes as far as the whole media session goes and definitely not going to play all of that, but – you can always check it out on uh, lvsportsnetwork.com. We have it. Raiders.com has it, of course. Uh, and you can check it out. They have the videos and everything. So if you want to see it, you can as well. But that's what Derek Carr had to say. Coming up next, your calls and texts. If you could shadow one person for a 24-hour period inside that Raiders organization, who would it be? Let us know about it. 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Allen in Vegas hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Said, is Lincoln Kennedy eligible? I'd love to pick his mind on everything from ball to locker room life. I'd follow him on game day to hear the call live on the air. That's a good text right there from Allen in Vegas answering our question to one person in the Raiders organization that you can follow for a 24-hour period, you can shadow them for a 24-hour period, who would it be? And it's funny that you mention the call live on the air. Of course, the Raiders are in search of a new play-by-play guy. Saw the, the news today from Mick Akers, and a lot of people have been asking me this question. Who's going to be the new play-by-play guy? Uh, have you heard anything? And I hadn't heard anything. Everything was very... Uh, on the down low, you know, everything that they're doing, they're doing behind closed doors and uh, guys like me don't know about it. So I, I've been basically telling everyone like, nope, I have no idea who it's going to be. Well, Mick Akers put out the tweet earlier today. The Raiders and ESPN's Brian Custer were in talks to bring him on board as their new play by play announcer. Custer tells me he decided to turn it down after careful consideration. Uh, and Custer said it's an iconic franchise that wants and deserves someone to be exclusive to them. After giving it some long thought, I believe ESPN, iconic franchises as well, with so many areas where I could display my talents on the worldwide leader. So uh, Brian Custer is staying with ESPN. He does Showtime Boxing. Uh, he's very talented. He is one of my favorite play-by-play voices. He's one of my favorite just sports voices in general. He's been on the show, matter of fact. That's the cool thing. He's been on the show. Uh, he's, he's got so much energy and so much excitement in his voice. He would have been a fantastic choice if, uh, if he had, in fact, got the job. But instead, uh, because he doesn't want to be – it sounds like because he doesn't want to be exclusive to just the Raiders, and that's what that, this job is going to take. And that's what I've been trying to tell people that have been asking about it. Like, hey, who do you think is going to get the job? And just kind of throwing out random names – and I'm like, man, do you understand how much work that takes to be that guy? You're not just calling a high school football game. You're not just calling a, a college game. I mean, this is something where you've got to be locked in with the team. Like, you've got to know everything. You've got to be in the building all the time. You don't have time for, you know, boxing events. And you don't have time for wrestling events. And you don't have time for sports center. And you, I mean, it, it's not a side gig, right? Like, I have about 18 jobs I feel like I have right now. Uh, there, that's not possible. If you're going to do something like that, you don't have a bunch of side gigs or you don't have a bunch of jobs. You have one job, and it is that because that is how important that is, the good ones at least, the great ones, as a matter of fact. They are so prepared, and they have so many talking points and so many angles and so much human interest. I mean, there's, they have so much knowledge and so much stuff that they never even get to on a broadcast. They have to have all that stuff, and that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of te- preparation. We had Lincoln Kennedy on the show not too long ago, and I asked him if he wanted to do that job. He said, oh, no. 
oh, no, that's too much work. I, I, I'd rather just sit in my lane and, and call what I see from a player's point of view and call it a day. And that takes a lot of work, but it's, it's not anything like preparing to be the play-by-play voice of an NFL team. So I understand why Brian turned it down, but uh, selfishly I would have loved for him to get that job. A uh, really good dude and great at what he does. So uh, that's an update for anyone that was wondering uh, who the next play-by-play voice is going to be. I don't know. I know who it's not going to be. It's not going to be Brian Custer. 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up, too, man? <laughs> I'm laughing about Derek Carr and Paul Gutierrez because, <laughs> you know, they've been going at it for a long time. I, I don't know if you do that. Yeah. But um, there was some stuff written in Derek's rookie year and a couple of times that he, uh, even when we were at 12 and 4, he wrote some, some bad articles. Uh, on the Raiders and and Derek Carr, but but that's all coming to territory. You gotta you gotta be able to take the uh, the good and the bad. Derek Carr kind of sensitive to me. Why are you 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 don't want to hear bad stuff? Life's gonna have bad things, so why would you not hear everything that's coming in? That don't make no sense to me. But he's been like that. He started. I'm not. Uh, he started. Uh, if you say something bad about him, he takes it off. He doesn't. He wants everything to be positive, which is true, but life is not all positive, so you got to take the good with the bad. And the person that I want to be uh, is Mark Davis. I, I want to hang out with Mark Davis to see how the club is run, go to the uh, to the uh, owner's meeting and see what uh, what they do at the owner's meeting and stuff. But we never get the owner's meeting. We always get the, 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 the combine and, and the coaches' stuff, but the owner's meeting is usually, you know, nobody goes in there. But Q, also one last um, thing. Hey, on uh, on the defense side, all right, <laughs> Trayvon Mullen, and I, I asked you this yesterday or a couple of days ago. Trayvon Mullen, um, based on what I'm seeing, he, he's not going. He's, he's not going to be ready for the uh, for the regular season, based on the, uh, the the reports that's coming out. What have you heard? And I'll, I'll let you go on there. Have a good weekend, you and Demond. Thank you. Hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. As far as Trayvon Mullen, I mean, we haven't got an update on him. We know he's on the pup list right now, and he has to be off the pup list by August 23rd. If he's not off the pup list by August 23rd, he'll be out for the first four weeks of the season. So he won't be eligible till week five. So uh, everything that Vinny has said, and Vinny is really you know, kind of the guy, or at least our go-to guy as far as uh, details with, with uh, players and what's going on inside the walls of the building just because he's the, he's the insider, does a fantastic job at what he does. And for everything he said is that they're not really worried or concerned about any of the guys on the pup list. And I say that, you know, and, and I'll take a grain of salt with that. You know what I mean? Because not that Vinny's wrong, but we've heard that, oh, we're not worried about that injury before. We're not worried about this. Oh, you know, it's something minor. It'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, Richie Incognito misses the whole year, right? I mean, <laughs> that's just kind of how it is, right? All of a sudden, oh, no, this guy will be back. This guy will be back. And then all of a sudden, they don't heal the way that they expected them to heal. And then they got to push back a little bit further. Then they push back a little further. So I'll say this, and I've said it for a while, and then we'll take a break and get to uh, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. I was concerned with him anyway just because you know how much time he missed last year. And then starting out on the pup list, it's like, man – this dude's got to get back out there. He's had a couple good seasons with the Silver and Black, going back to his rookie year and his second year. Had some good seasons. But he has got to be out there. He's got to show his worth. This is a new scheme. He's got to learn it. He's got to get comfortable with it. And if you're not out there and available, then you're going to be behind the eight ball. And so the longer that he's out there, 
on the pup list and not out there participating, the worse it is for him. So uh, I'm hoping that when, you know, Vinny reports that they're not really concerned about the guys on the pup list, they'll be back sooner rather than later, that that's going to end up being accurate and that they're not going to have a setback. Because if they have some setbacks, then it could be it could be some issues. You could be uh, looking at Trayvon Mullen on the outside looking in, you know, not necessarily saying as a guy that's going to get cut, but just not out there as much as you'd expect him or want him to be out there because when he's out there, he's a talented dude. 3.28 is the time when we come back. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic will join the show. Talk about the path for the AFC West Division title. All four teams have a path. Which ones are going to really achieve and go down that path? We'll talk about it next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Got a lot of feedback on our Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. And if you could follow someone around in the Raiders organization for a 24-hour period, who would it be? Uh, we got one We got one text here. JG Raider from the 602, I'd like to shadow Miss Raiderette. But seriously, would shadow Mr. Alex Leatherwood to see how he's good is going about becoming the breakout player of the year. So a uh, little jokey joke at first from J.G. Raider from the 602, uh, but would follow and shadow Alex Leatherwood. And uh, again, that would be that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. And we've had that uh, suggestion already, Alex Leatherwood, just to kind of see, uh, you know, how he operates and how he goes into this regular season, goes into year number two in the league. And, you know, all the criticism that he heard in year one, how he uh, he operates behind the scenes and prepares himself for this upcoming season. So that's a good one. Definitely appreciate that. And right now, my man, Demond is efforting Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. He's supposed to join us to talk all things AFC West. So uh, we'll get to that as soon as Ted joins us. Uh, also got a text from the 702. Uh, matter of fact, it's Brazy in Vegas. He said, hire Gus Johnson for play-by-play. Gus Johnson would be really good, too. He's a, he's a great play-by-play guy. I'm trying to remember. He was just in negotiations with somebody, and I don't remember who it was, but there was somebody that he was in negotiations with on either a contract extension or being hired by. I just don't remember exactly who. I just saw it the other day, and it's so, it's so funny because I thought about him, about him as well as soon as I saw that. It's like, oh, Gus Johnson would have been a good one, but it looked like and sounded like he was going to be off the market as well. So I'm sure they're going to find someone that's really good. So I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not worried about it. I'm just interested to see who it's going to be. Now joining us on the phone lines from The Athletic is our good friend Ted Nguyen. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And, Tim, Ted, thanks so much for your time. And uh, your piece that you put out on The Athletic, who will win the AFC West, projecting various paths for the quarterback-driven division. So you had a path for every team in the division to win the AFC West, and we know that it's going to be probably the most talented division in football this upcoming year. We're excited about it, but uh, you paved the way. And it's funny, before we get to all the different teams, uh, I was looking at the part where you're talking about the quarterbacks, and you were saying that in this division, even if Derek Carr is, in fact, the the fourth-best quarterback, which a lot of people are saying – in every other division in football, he wouldn't be that fourth best because the quarterbacks in this division are just so stinking good that even the fourth best quarterback is really good. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Derek Carr is considered by many to be you know a fringe top ten quarterback, and he could definitely uh, you know climb up the rankings this year, especially you know with the offense uh, with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. But you know, as of right now, I think the consensus is about fringe top ten, somewhere in that ten to. Uh, 12 range and um, you know yeah you know if you're in that 12 range and and you're fourth you know that's pretty good so it's gonna be a tough division and you know who knows Russell Wilson might take a step back he he kind of had an off year last year but he was dealing with some injuries too Uh, but I I just think like consensusly he's probably 
considered the fourth best in this division, even though it's just, you know, stacked. Right. And, and again, like you said, that's 10 to 12. I mean, that's the range, 10 to 12. And, Ted, where I'm from, you can win football games. You can win playoff games. Hell, you can go to the Super Bowl with a quarterback that's ranked anywhere between 10 and 12. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, mean, I think Derek Carr has played better than his overall numbers that has been the last two years. Obviously, he's dealt a lot, with a lot of adversity uh, with the Oakland Raiders and then the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, he's probably dealt with a little bit more than, as, than most quarterbacks have dealt with. But at, at the end, end of the day, you have to be productive. And right. uh, he hasn't produced like a top 10 quarterback just yet. Um, but, you know, he, ha- he has tools to do it this season. And, you know, I, I think he will. Right. No, I'm with you, and that's what I said. Hey, even if he's not in the top ten right now, that's fine. He goes out there and balls out this year with his good friend Devontae Adams and all the weapons that they have. He'll be in the top ten. So all he's got to do is put in the work. Again, we're talking with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, you mentioned Russell Wilson, so let's take a look at the Broncos. And it's so funny because immediately when they made that move, everyone put the Broncos into contention. Oh, man, they're going to be this great team. But, Ted, in reality – the Seahawks weren't that great team unless they had a great run game and a great defense like they did when he was a rookie and in and, and his first few years in Seattle when they went to back-to-back Super Bowls. Does the Denver Broncos have that? Do they have that elite run game and that elite defense? I, I think they have a chance to. I, I think Javante Williams and uh, Melvin Gordon, you know, that's, that's a really good running back duo. Uh, but last year they they were not that efficient, um, and the the coaches there think that moving to the outside zone game will help that offensive line out, and um, you know give them that rushing attack that uh, Russell Wilson needs to to thrive in. Because you know Russell Wilson is a guy who just does not like to attack the middle of the field. He does have some limitations on um, how he plays within structure, but as we know, he, he's a guy who likes creating out of structure, and that's where a lot of his production comes from. And, uh, I, you know, last year was some signs that, you know, his athleticism might be uh, declining a little bit. And I think that could be a little scary for the Broncos. But at the same time, you know, he was dealing with some injuries. And, you know, this year he might be healed up and we might see the old Russell Wilson again. Uh, but they do, they have some solid offensive linemen that, that could run block and uh, two really good running backs. So there's definitely a chance that um, they, they could get that running attack that uh, Russell Wilson thrives with. You know, one nugget in your piece that I saw was about the fact that Russell Wilson uh, doesn't like the cover two uh, coverage. He doesn't like to have to, you know, play against that cover two scheme. Do you think that that's a nugget that Patrick Graham uh, has in the back of his mind? Like, hey, this is something that we could use to be effective against this quarterback. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, yeah, he, he his passer rating dropped about, well, uh, about 18% against cover two versus his regular passer rating. Uh, so it's a coverage he doesn't like to see because when you see that kind of coverage, the place you usually attack is down the middle of the, of the defense. Right. And um, historically, that's just a place that he doesn't like to throw to. And, you know, a lot of shorter quarterbacks have this problem where they don't like to attack in the short middle of the field because, you know, sometimes those passing lanes are just covered for them because they can't, they can't see past their offensive linemen. Uh, but the problem is if you have a strong running game, you can't play a lot of cover two because you have to get that, you know, strong safety into the box. So that's, uh, one of the reasons why he has to have a strong running attack for him to really, uh, really ball out. So, uh, yeah, if you can stop the run and, you know, with your front seven and you don't have to worry about putting that extra man in the box and you can play a lot of cover two. And as the numbers have shown, Russell Wilson just, you know, he struggles a little bit with cover two. So uh, it's about stopping a run. Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, DeMond, you got one for him? 
Yeah, Ted, with the Broncos' defense, losing Vic Vangio, is that new system that the new defensive coordinator putting in place, is it going to be that much different, or do you expect this defense to just pick up where they left off last year? Yes, uh, um, the Evero, um, who worked with the Rams, who worked with Brandon Staley, Staley learned his defense from Vic Fangio. So I expect the defense to look very similar. I think you know the verbiage and um, that kind of thing will be the exact same. You know, obviously, Evero will put his own twist on things. But I, I think the system will be really similar. Um, and, I, and I wrote, you know, nitpicking a little bit, but it is a bit of a concern when you're going from a defensive coordinator as, as good as Vic Fangio is you know, some people question how good he was as a head coach, and that's fair. But as a defense coordinator, he's one of the best defensive play callers in the NFL. And, you know, you're going from Fangio to a guy who has never coordinated defense before. And I, I think that is a bit of an area of concern for them. You know, we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs all the time. They lost Tyreek Hill. He's now in Miami. But uh, in your piece, you said, hey, they still have good wide receivers. Of course, they don't have that weapon that is Tyreek Hill. And they do have a solid offensive line as long as Orlando Brown is out there, which he currently is not as he's working on a, a contract, trying to get, uh, you know decide what they're going to do with that contract situation and if he's going to show up or not. I expect him to show up at some point, sign his franchise tag and call it a day, and then they'll worry about it in the offseason. But uh, how, how do the Kansas City Chiefs overcome the loss of Tyreek Hill. Can Andy Reid scheme it up so they're still just as effective offensively? Yeah, I mean, I don't think all of a sudden, you know, they're going to go from being one of the best offenses in the NFL to all of a sudden, you know, being a middle tier offense or a bad offense. But losing that explosive element with Tyreek Hill is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And to replace them, they have a bunch of guys with a bunch of different skill sets. So it's kind of going to be kind of a committee to, to replace Tyreek Hill. But at the same time, they're seeing so much cover two and guys are just playing deep and not letting them pass deep that you kind of take away Tyreek Hill's best attribute, the ability to go deep. He became kind of a yak guy, um, you know, later in the season because of all the defenses, uh, the type of defenses that the Chiefs saw. So they got some bigger receivers, um, MDS from Green Bay. He, you know, he could get up, he could take the top off the defense, but he's a great blocker as well. Juju Smith-Schuster is kind of a, um, you know, he, he's kind of a possession receiver. He drafted Sky Moore, who's kind of similar in size uh, to Tyreek Hill, but he, he's a guy that could be a, a yak machine as well. Um, so, you know, but their offensive line is an elite offensive line. They have Orlando Brown in there. Um, but that's something they didn't take advantage of last season. They would run the ball for some stretches and have some success, and then I think they would get impatient and go away from the run. But, you know, when you look at this offensive line with Orlando uh, Orlando Brown, Joe, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, that's a lot of size. And, you know, they could knock guys off the ball. So uh, one of the ways you can uh, negate the fact that you don't have that true number one anymore is you can run the ball. And, um, you know, with all the two high defense you see, I think that's what makes the most sense. But Andy Reid throughout his career has, you know, resisted running the ball. So... Uh, we'll see what they do, but I, I think if they commit to the run and get that going, they're going to be a really hard offensive stop still. You know, Ted, I, why is that? Why is Andy Reid, I mean, he avoids the run game like I avoid the gym, right? I mean, I don't want to go in the gym <laughs> and pump no iron. He is like, no, it's the run game. I don't want to do it. Why Why has he been so so anti-run game? Well, it's, I think the same reason that you avoid the gym, because it hurts, right? <laughs> <laughs> It hurts taking, you know, taking the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. I think he just loves passing, you know, and it, obviously it, it's explosive. Uh, so, so you know, I get it. You know, you want to put the ball into Mahomes' hands. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But um, at the same time, you know, you, you have to be patient sometimes to take those 
three to four, four yard gains because they could, um, you know, you can force that strong safety in the box or it could open up opportunities later. I think that was the best answer in the history of this show. Ted, I think it really, I really do. I think that if Demond doesn't turn that into a promo, I don't know. He's he's fired. <laughs> that was that was on it. That was a great answer. My man said the same reason you avoid the gym. It hurts. That was fantastic. I love that. Good stuff, Ted. It's Ted Nguyen talking right now for the Athletic here on the Nestle Roughness Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. So how about the Chargers? You know, we always talk about Justin Herbert and all the great things that he brings to the table and all the great weapons they have offensively. But in your piece, you really kind of focus on the defense defense and those edge rushers at defensive line how critical is it for that defense to really come together for them to be the chargers be that team that they expect to be in 2022 yeah i mean last year the chargers uh, offense there's you know there's some criticism of the way they did things with all the short passing but they at the end of the day they were one of the most efficient offenses in nfl and what really did them in and made them miss the playoffs was that defense it was so unreliable that, that run defense especially was so leaky um, that you know they, they just couldn't get off the field. So this year they took care of that um, run defense problem by adding three interior defensive linemen that have experience playing the system that are really good run stoppers. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, one of them, and then they traded for Khalil Mack, and Khalil Mack's an elite run defender off the edge, and he's gonna you know pair with Joey Bosa, and that's like two really really strong power rushers. Uh, so that's going to be a tough duo to deal with. And then they signed J.C. Jackson, who's one of the best man corners in the league. Uh, so I, I think they did a lot to fix their defense. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a liability anymore. Um, in fact, you know, they have the talent to be a, a top-ten defense. But just the fact that they're not a liability anymore is going to be a huge boost to them. I think Justin Herbert takes another step in his development this year. Uh, so just looking at the roster overall, the Chargers look like the most complete team. But as we know, the Chargers have dealt with injuries, bad injury luck in, in the past. So uh, we'll see if they can hold up. But on paper, the Chargers look like um, you know, they, they, they're going to be true contenders this year. You know, and speaking of bad injury history, uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa both have been hit with the injury mm-hmm. bug a lot. How big of a concern is that those guys, they could be elite if they're out there, but how big of a concern should it be for Charger fans uh, that those guys could be banged up and, and, and hurt like they have been so often the past couple seasons? Yeah, I would say that's the biggest concern for their defense. Bosa has missed 18 games in his six-year career. Mack tried playing through a foot injury last year, but he had to have surgery and missed the final 10 games of his career. Who knows if that, that lingers on. And behind them, they don't have a lot of depth. They have Kyle Van Noy, who's a nice piece. Uh, but, you know, he, he going from Bosa or, or Mack to Kyle Van Noy is a huge drop-off. And then they don't have a lot of good – they have some run-stoppers in the interior, but they don't really have any – consistent rushers on the interior. So if, if one of those guys has to, has to miss game, uh, their pass rush is going to take a big, uh, big hit. Hey, Ted, one of the things that I want to ask you about with the charges that I don't think enough people are talking about, head coach Brandon Staley, is his <laughs> game management? You hate Brandon Staley. No, it's a valid question. Is his game management, is that something that's going to hurt the charges in closed games, or do you think he's learned from his mistakes? Um, you know, I think they went all in with the, the – fourth down philosophy last year and you know maybe they they look at certain fourth down situations and they kind of bring that back a little bit i still think it's going to be extremely aggressive um and you know his first year head coach he's actually a really young coach when you look at all his experience so i'm sure he's going to learn some learn from some of the mistakes he made last year i still think they're going to be really aggressive uh, on fourth down which i'm curious to see how how it turns out for them i kind of applaud 
you know, taking uh, um, outside of the box thinking and applying it into, you know, this uh, entire franchise. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how he does with this kind of um, Madden-like uh, approach to game management. Talking right now with Ted Wynn from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So that leaves you with the silver and black. And we talked on Derek Carr a little bit. We know the weapons that the Raiders now have. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Those guys could be explosive. I believe the run game could be explosive. They got a bunch of running backs to choose from, led by Josh Jacobs. Ted, does it boil down to the offensive line? Is it, does the offensive line have to be the key to the Raiders' success this upcoming year? Yeah, no, you know, you, you're bringing back pretty much the same offensive line uh, as last year. Denzel Good's going to help. You know, Parham might supplant one of those guys to be a starter. Um, but, you know, you bring back the same guys, and, you know, overall the offensive line just was not good. They were a bottom, uh, you know, maybe bottom six unit for most of the season, though they did improve towards the end of the season. Um, so we'll see if the coaching staff is able to coach these guys up and, um, get them to play better than they did last season. But last season, the, the run game was unreliable. Uh, Carr was, you know, felt like he was getting harassed every other play. And I just don't think you go through an entire season like that. So um, that's going to be the biggest question mark to whether this offense could be a top 10, top 5 type of unit is if the offensive line could play better. You know, I think if they just play average, this this offense could be, you know, an elite offense. But um, it's going to take a big jump up from where what they did last season. How much better do you think these young guys, like Alex Leatherwood, like a Andre James, like a John Simpson, if he's out there, Denzel Good's coming back from uh, the torn ACL, but he's out there practicing right now. How how good can those young guys be now that they had a, a year of actual just in the trenches doing work, even though it wasn't up to standards, but they were still out there. They know what it looks like now. How much better do you think they could be this year just based off of that experience? Yeah, I mean, I expect Alex Leatherwood to be much better. You know, he has the physical tools. I think he's worked hard this offseason to improve his technique and strength and all all that stuff. But I expect to see a big jump from him. Uh, it's just a question of whether that jump's going to be uh, at right tackle or guard. You know, it, and if he makes that jump at right tackle, it's going to be huge for this team because that's going to be you – know, you have Colton Miller on the other side, and then if you have a solid right tackle on the other side, then you don't have to worry about the edges. It's going to be um, huge for this um, for, for this offense. So. Um, yeah, I think Leatherwood will make a big jump. Um, Simpson, I'm not as high about. You know, less, we hear a lot of reports about uh, Lesser Cotton um, impressing mm-hmm. people this off season. Um, so you know, we'll see. But you know, we won't know. And you know, offensive line is so hard to judge from off season workouts when you're just hitting bags and sleds. Uh, we'll, we'll see how they play when um, you know this preseason game starts and they get to hit some guys in different uniforms. How concerned should Raider Nation be that Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, and Trayvon Mullen have started uh, training camp on the pup list? Uh, it's definitely a concern, but um, you know, from everything we've heard, it seems like this was expected. Um, and, yeah, I mean, with the secondary depth the way it is, you know, if Mullen misses games, that, that's a concern. Um, defensive line, you know, you, you need those guys out there, especially, you know, with all the guys they lost in free agency on the defensive line. Uh, but I'm not too concerned until, you know, we start hitting, um, you know, early August and those guys still can't practice. Right, yeah, I guess August 23rd is the date that they have to be out there by or at least activated from the pup list by or else they're going to miss the first four weeks of the season. Then all of a sudden you're looking like, uh-oh, hold up. 
you uh, you got to go and do something. So, a uh, final question for you, Ted. If uh, you know if the interior of that defensive line, if those guys aren't able to come back anytime soon, do the Raiders and Dave, Zig- Dave Ziegler do they pick up the phone and call Sue and say, "Hey, man, uh, we need you here." You know, does it become panic time if if he if they find out that their guys that are on the pup list are going to miss the first four weeks of the season? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. They have, they have to space, you know, twenty-one million dollars in uh, free cap space right now. I, you know, I, I would, I would think that he'd be a good addition, even if those guys came back. But, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, good stuff, Ted. Man, we definitely appreciate you. Uh, good piece on the athletic. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, I, I'm going to start doing some. Uh, I'm going to start commentating on games just uh, we have this platform that you know i'll announce on twitter soon uh where me and uh, chris vast my uh, my partner in this announcing deal uh where we're going to watch the games and we can kind of add our commentary to it too so be on the lookout for that nice nice all right well if you need a sideline guy i know a guy i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> i know a guy hey well uh ted great stuff man we definitely appreciate you as always and uh sometime after the show i'm gonna go hit the gym i'm gonna act like i'm not scared of it <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Ted. Don't appreciate you, my man. Pain. Embrace the pain. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Embrace the pain. There he goes. Ted Nguyen right there from The Athletic. Uh, that was a great answer. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis, uh, breaking down football film. And uh, look out. He's got a new platform that's uh, coming your way soon. So we'll be on the lookout for that. 3.50 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number two. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. 3.53 is the time. Just got a couple minutes left here in hour number two of the show. We're flying by through on this uh, on this Friday, heading into the weekend. Just wrapped up with the second day of training camp out at Raiders HQ, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And I'm telling you, I, I try to bring a takeaway from the the practice each and every day, just something that stood out to me and uh, really what stood out to me today is kind of what stood out to me yesterday. And, look, it's going to be pretty similar the first few days. There's no pads. These guys are really just doing a lot of conditioning. They're doing football drills, but there's no real competitive uh, nature. You know, there's not a, a lot of competition going on right now. So right now it's just going through drills and, uh, you know, just getting their techniques down. But the biggest takeaway that I had was just the fact that everything is going really crisply. You know, they just have a lot of tempo. And it just seems like they're trying to get as many drills in as possible. Not that they're rushing through them, but they're trying to make sure everyone maintains a certain level. And, it's, you know, it just keeps keeps going. Go, go, go. You know, when one guy runs a drill, next guy's up. You know, there's no there's no lag time. It's like boom, boom, boom. Oh, you didn't do that right? Okay, boom. Uh, take a step back. Do it again. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, you didn't do that right? Okay, take a step back. Do it again. But there's a lot of tempo. There's a lot of purpose right now with the uh, Raiders coaching staff, with the Raiders players. And the other big takeaway is the fact that I'm seeing a lot of of coaches coaching up from the players' uh, point of view. You know, I saw Derek Carr talking to Devontae Adams. You know, I saw Derek Carr talking to Dylan Parham. Saw Derek Carr talking to Jarrett Stidham. I mean, there's plenty of people that are doing just some overall teaching. You know, but right now, early in in uh, training camp, I can't remember who I said it to, but it's like everyone looks like a Pro Bowler right now, right? Everyone looks great right now when when there's nothing really going on. You know, they're just in in helmets and and T-shirts or shirts and, and, and shorts. I mean, it's nothing major. So uh, you're going you're gonna to get it. It's going to get more ramped up. You're going to keep hearing more and more about these guys, and then you'll start to hear who's standing out 
and who's not? What what unit's starting to stand out and what unit's not? Is the defense starting to make some plays? Is the offensive line starting to step up? You know, how do the corners look? That's a that's one area that I haven't really been able to focus in on yet is really the corners. Uh, tomorrow that'll be that's on the top of the the to do list. Take a look at the corners and safeties and just see how the whole secondary is looking. You know, you know, of course, Trayvon Merrick's out there. Uh, you know, you got Jerron Harmon out there, Jonathan Abrams out there, uh, Anthony Averett, uh, Rocky Sin. That's another guy that we talked to today. Rocky Sin didn't have a whole lot to say. It was so funny. He was asked multiple questions about last year being with the Colts, and you could just tell that Rock just really wanted to focus in on this year, where he's at right now, the opportunity in front of him instead of looking back. And it's easy in the beginning of training camp to ask a lot of questions about last year. I know I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, I asked about the offensive linemen today. Matter of fact, how did you see the growth from last year to where they are right now or the end of last year to where they are right now? So it's easy to fall into that trap to ask about last year, but like Max Crosby said on, I believe, Wednesday, Max, uh, he, he said it, that, hey, last year is last year, next year is next year. It's all about this year right now. We've got to go in here and put in that work. So we'll get more sound uh, to you coming up in segment, or hour number three of the show. As a matter of fact, we uh, should hear from Chandler Jones, um, not Rocky Sin. Uh, we might hear from uh, Mick Lombardi, the offensive coordinator. He was pretty energetic and pumped up. We might be able to get him into the, the hour as well. But Chandler Jones for sure will hear in the next hour. But coming up as we kick off hour number three of the show, Kimberly Martin, a.k.a. Kmart. She was on first take. She was talking about the impact of Aaron Rodgers not having Devontae Adams, or is it Devontae Adams not having Aaron Rodgers? I'll explain next as we kick off hour number three of Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.